Okay, let's do it at the ending. Let's do the ending. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Yet, so. Ring off. Yeah. Three, two, one. Well, it has been wonderful. I'm so sorry that we're out of time for our second podcast talking with you, um, Severin, Excuse because me. so it's much. The first podcast. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> this is why you do it. This is why he should do it. She's a natural. <laughs> this is why, and then he turns these into outtakes to make fun of me. So. <laughs> sorry for saying sorry. Media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, and this is the Per Podcast. Yes, and we are in not-so-sunny Toronto. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, yeah, it's been beautifully sunny until until today. It um, was really sadly. hot, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. But now it's rainy. Yeah, so. and we are. I'm very excited because a I haven't seen you in a while, no, so it's kind of fun to catch up with you, right? And uh, b you're an infectious disease person, which warms my heart. <laughs> yeah. So introduce yourself. We yes. have Dr. Severin Tasker. So tell us about yeah, yourself. So, so yeah, my name's Severin Tasker. I am absolutely passionate about cats. Anybody mm -hmm. that knows me, um, Susan's got an amazing cat blouse on that you can't see. But I'm, uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know whether on this podcast we could maybe swap clothes. Nobody will know. We can have a go at that. Yeah, you uh, have to go to the website. Yeah. Because we'll take pictures and yeah. the cat blouse will yeah. be on there. Yeah. Uh, we'll post a few pictures so you can see yeah. my wonderful cat yeah. blouse. Good. Um, so um, I have a passion for cats, but also I'm an internal medicine boarded specialist, um, but I've always loved cats and have done a lot of research yeah. in feline infectious diseases. So my PhD was on hemoplasmas yeah. and then I do a lot of clinical research. You know, yeah. um, we did an interview, um, uh, we recorded an interview recently, so it hasn't come out as a podcast yes. um, just yet, with Mike Lappin, and I know oh, you did your, some of your hemoplasma yeah. research with Mike, right? Yeah, so in my, as, when I was very young, as he keeps reminding me, <laughs> uh, I went to Colorado State University for a few, quite a few months, actually, and worked in his lab and uh, mm. had to go on a Harley Davidson, fell off the back of a David Harley. Oh, no Harley way. Davidson, yeah. Oh, um, no, So I had happened? a very big bum bruise for quite a few, <laughs> a few days, but... <laughs> I've got very fond memories of CSU. They're not all about the research. Or the motorcycle. But, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember but, Mike talking about that. Mike, oh, he does, well, do you know, he mentioned it at a conference we were speaking at uh, two weeks ago to the whole audience. So oh, I now nice. know everyone knows. But yeah, so working with him, and I've continued to work with him, he's an absolute amazing yeah. person. Isn't he, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and fa fabulous research that sort of very much helps people on the shop floor, Doesn't you know, it? in terms of decision making and Doesn't things. It? And I think that's a real art to his it is. He's got that nice yeah. twist, right, between um, discovering things that we need to discover, yeah. but also uh, how is it relevant? Exactly. You know, and to what, somebody like me who's yeah, in, going back to practice tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've. Um, you started in hemoplasmas? Yeah, so, um, well, I did my residency first and then did a PhD in hemoplasmas, but um, worked at the University of Bristol yeah. for a long, long time. And that was been quite a hub for a long time for infectious diseases and feline in terms Absolutely. of the amazing diagnostic lab there that yeah. sort of pioneered PCR. Chris so, Helps. Yeah, yeah, Chris Helps is amazing. So yeah. um, so from that point of view, I was able to sort of expand into non-hemoplasma areas. So did a lot 
lot of infectious disease prevalence work, diagnostic work, research, and then more recently started doing work on FIP. Yeah. Yeah, because there was this guy called Stuart Siddell who came to the University of Bristol who's a coronavirus expert. Oh, yeah. So not feline. So like I was the feline, right. but coronavirus. So we started working together on FIP and then that's continued. So yeah. that's where the FIP. So um, what are you doing actively like right now? Right now, so we've got a couple of PhD students um, that are sort of coming towards the end of their PhD studies. So one of uh, one of them on haemoplasmas has been really working hard on trying to grow them. And we've got some maintenance there, but not the prolific growth that we mm. need because obviously we want to avoid in vivo experiments. We want to be able yeah. to check what they respond to, etc. We want to be able to do, uh, you know, protein discovery work that's a lot easier when you can grow them. So, and also establishing a different model of hemoplasma infection. So that's Serena Filler. Um, and can I ask you a question yeah. about that? Why is it so difficult to grow them? Well, they're mycoplasmas. Mm. So mycoplasmas, are some of them are very difficult to grow. Some of them are contaminants in the lab and people yeah. wish they'd ever yeah. grown. Yeah. yeah, I just want to say, yeah, no. all my lab work, really? the, the worst thing that could happen yeah. is that the <laughs> darn what, mycoplasmas yeah. are back. So there are quite a few mycoplasmas that are, um, that are difficult to um uh, difficult to grow. They've, they've, they've got the smallest genome of any sort mm -hmm. of oh, organism. Yeah. That. So that means they haven't really got much to do themselves. Yeah. They really rely on sort of, uh, not a virus, but a bacteria. Um, so uh, so from that point of view, it's it, we've worked out the genome sequence of them. So we should be able to use that to sort of work out what they need in the lab to grow. But it's it's been really hard. I mean, Serena has made a step forward, but not the amplification that we obviously would have would have mm. loved. But uh, yeah, so I, d you know, they've managed to grow some really weird mycoplasmas. So, uh, but not Ooh. the hemoplasmas yet. So yeah, and uh, and then the other aspect has been looking at sort of type one coronaviruses, how they, uh, yeah, trying to work out the receptor. Yeah. So the, it's the type ones we can grow. Right? No, it's the type, type twos, twos that we, we can, can grow. grow, and most of the FIP in the world or type one type mm -hmm. one there's quite a lot of type two in before asia before we go to yeah. the fip yeah. let's let's stay okay. with the, the, the yeah. because i'm really intrigued by it so what are you trying to do to make them grow better what the hemoplasmas mm -hmm. so what we've been doing is working out their gene you know working out what genes they've got what mm -hmm. are they missing which mm -hmm. means if they miss it to make a nucleotide x y what have you you know you have to put that in the culture mm -hmm. medium to see if they'll grow and then the other thing we've been doing is trying to put fresh blood in there to sort of see whether that's what they need we've also worked with stem cell people wow. erythroblasts wow. so it We've done a lot to try and grow to them, and it's you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love that term for the hemoplasmas. <laughs> they are little buggers. Yeah, <laughs> they are absolutely. So uh, you can see it on a slide now. Yeah, bit. look, yeah. So, uh, so from that point of view, it's just not you know, it's just not easy. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure one day we'll, we'll be able to do it. You've just got to keep trying. And and if we did, then translate it to the clinical re yeah. relevance. Yeah, they're not that difficult to grow in obviously their host yeah yeah well they're not difficult to grow i mean yeah they replicate they're amazing at what mm -hmm. they do in the host because they can go right down the numbers mm -hmm. you know within a few days can go from 10 million to 10 and you think they're gone <laughs> and you think they're gone yeah. and then they shoot up to 10 million per mm. mill of blood or whatever mm -hmm. in the next few days so they're obviously able to replicate at a huge level because we don't think they're hiding mm. we think they are 
going up and down in terms of replication. So they must be doing something on their surface to sort of hide away from the, you know, the immune response and then grow again. But but what is it? You know, we've even tried moving them <laughs> as we're trying mm. to grow them because mm. we thought maybe what the it? movement. Yeah. yeah, there's all the, I mean, there's a lot of thought has gone into it. But as I say, it's just... Um, Mysterious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. It's indeed. the truth of... Uh, research huh? I mean, yeah you don't always get the answer immediately it no, takes you a don't. lot of work you don't and also i think what we're trying to do is make sure we get out there what we've tried to do that hasn't worked yeah. because mm -hmm. i think we sometimes find that other people have tried it they haven't published it so because it's a know. negative so you don't know and everyone's trying to do the same thing so there's quite a lot of crosstalk between the groups no, to try and make sure another good don't. reason to publish negative results yes, right absolutely it's really overlooked but, it, but it's sometimes difficult to get them published it is difficult and it, yeah and it doesn't it it, it, it doesn't make sense right no. because it could save somebody like you so yeah time. yeah and money, and money yeah <laughs> and money yeah although absolutely. i saw in the, the it came by in one of my social media feeds that there is now a journal of negative results oh my ah, okay so where you can just publish <laughs> i wonder what impact Fact yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you know it should be pretty we, good. Yeah. I know, that's exactly we should, it. yeah, we'll have to look it up and yeah. recite it. Yeah. So yeah. it's exactly. impact factors as a result this exactly. podcast goes yeah, up. Yeah, but if you don't publish it, it the impact factor is zero anyway. Yeah, that's right. Couldn't get worse. That's right. Couldn't get worse. All right. And so um because there's a lot of people that listen that are probably not so um, well aware of what especially this bug does to the cat. Can you so explain the a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So the hemoplasmas are, as I said, they're mycoplasmas mm -hmm. that live in the blood and they attach to red blood cells mm -hmm. and that attachment damages them um, and induces them to either lies. So we get hemolysis, mm -hmm. we can get some intravascular hemolysis or they will be mediated to sort of be destroyed in the spleen, the liver. So we'll get mostly extravascular hemolysis, mm. but basically it's hemolysis. Mm -hmm. So it's a hemolytic anemia that you will see so the cat most comes of the in time. With hemolytic anemia. Yeah, yeah, so the okay. signs of very non-specific signs of anemia, pallor, you know, lethargy, etc. Sometimes collapse, some of them yeah, are mm. quite surprisingly acute. flat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, pyrexia you see, so you know with some of, I think we're seeing, I don't know what you think, but we, we definitely seem to see more standard IMHAs in cats, immune-mediated hemolytic anemias mm -hmm. that haven't got an underlying cause. Mm. Um, more and more, we used to think that was just a dog thing. Yeah. But I think as I we think get in better methods of diagnosing, yeah. we're finding they haven't got anything, anything. else that or we can nothing explain. we can find. Yeah. yeah. And then they can respond to immunosuppressive agents. But the pyrexia is something that might make you think a little bit more mm -hmm. about hemoplasmas. It's quite difficult in that situation in the practice. Um, you know, you, the best method of diagnosis is PCR, mm -hmm. but you not really most of the time not going to be doing that on site so no. you're going to have to wait, wait. a few days so you got to do something yeah yeah so usually people will if there's an acute anemia like that that looks like it could be hemolytic if it's acute it might not be regenerative mm -hmm. regenerative mm. already so you've got to think about that just making sure you're not missing it and then we don't need steroids to treat hemoplasmas but you will see some cases that will get antibiotics and steroids while they're waiting for the yeah. results or while we're waiting for Well, the sometimes results. pitch in the steroids if they're like particularly not doing well, yeah, yeah. right, for a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, not, no, not commonly. No, I've seen I've seen some cases of hemoplasma do 
not well mm. with immunosuppressive steroids yep. until we remove the steroids. And then even when they're fulminantly Coombs positive and yep. loads of uh, antibodies on their red blood cells, you know, glutinating like hell, yep. they still will get better just yep. with an appropriate antibiotic. Yep. Yeah. And what is the ultimate treatment then? So it would be first line treatment is doxycycline mm -hmm. usually or a <laughs> for anything. But, yes. Well, as Mike Lappin says, yeah. 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 every cat is doxycycline <laughs> deficient. And yeah. in, in the spirit of antibiotic stewardship, I'd like to hasten to add, but yeah. doxies are very good drug for cat, <laughs> for cat lovers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So the first line would be doxy, mm. and I think we do. You know, we've got really good evidence that it works brilliantly for the yeah. most pathogenic hemoplasmas. I think the less pathogenic hemoplasmas, which there's a couple of species that don't tend to cause problems unless you've got something else going on in the cat, they don't always respond yeah. to doxy. Mm. So that's the time when you need to monitor, I think, a little yeah. bit more closely. Yeah. They can be a little but, bit more yeah. problematic if you've got like an FIV positive cat yeah. sometimes. Exactly. So that's where I'll often see those guys rear their yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but doxycycline, usually good, effective antibiotic. You might how long do you treat for? Uh, well, usually mm. we tend to, I tend to say two to three weeks. Okay. I know there's some geographical, um, you know, like in the US, some of them are, they're pretty poxy hemoplasmas and they don't do a huge amount. Uh, they've got caused disease, but not severe, severe disease that relapses if you only give them a week of antibiotics. Exactly. Whereas in my experience, I have given cats just a week of antibiotics and, and then they've, and it's yeah. back. I've seen that so, too. Have you? Yeah. yeah. So I've that's why, you know, when I talked to Mike, he, he would go for a shorter course because of what I've experienced. I tend to go for a slightly longer course and I'm always aware that we're constantly thinking, mm. do we need these antibiotics? Yes, no. How long do we need to give them for try and give them for less but honestly in my experience i, I would say you need a, a couple of weeks at least awesome i did notice you said the d word and we didn't and we won't fault <laughs> you for that yeah. because you didn't know yet <laughs> so we have a little rule <laughs> on this podcast that we failed to tell you so it's yes. okay you get a pass yes yeah and, the, and, the, and the rule is you can't say the d word what's the d word the inferior species did i say a dog you did <laughs> When? Uh, just a second ago. <laughs> what, by accident? Uh, you did, and now you did another one, but that, that's okay. okay. So I didn't even know that was in my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Did I? I didn't say yeah. that. <laughs> Did I? Well, well, do you want us to repeat? Well, well, yeah, no, back no, no, no. But I'm just really. I'm, do you know if you'd asked me to bet money on whether I'd say no, no, I'd bet you a million pounds. <laughs> a million pounds. <laughs> we'll replay okay. it for when you. I said doxy. Yeah. No. So what was that? Oxy, what was yeah. that? Oh, what that's was good. That's a was, good rescue. What was, it was I saying? Doxy cycling. Oh, that's enough. But yeah, so so do we have to say that bit again? If if no. you no 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 no, no we'll we'll we'll, okay, we'll keep yeah, it in there yeah. but it's just yeah but I but I just want to make sure I didn't should I have said cat rather than dog it's not no it's not no 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 no, no. it was correctly no. used it was correctly was used the only thing is that every time you say the D oh, word yes. you get a drink. Uh, we get a drink it's B I M H A it happens a lot in dogs yeah but that's a for comparative 
Yeah, yeah I don't care. So you comparative. It's good comparative. You can see the other species. The other species. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start you from zero now. Be careful. You're going to have to buy strings. This is a cat only podcast. Yeah. That's why we want to be very clear. We used to think, yeah, yeah. And I said it for a comparative point of view, but I'll try. That's going to be hard. Yeah. So we've had some people who, through the podcast, have done very well. Yes. I think Stan Marks was was the king of finding many different ways not mm-hmm. to say the D word. Yes, right, And he okay. got through like a whole podcast. And other people like start off really well and then poof, they lose it. But now I know. So I, it's just I would a funny game. Be- yeah, yeah, I would have been better off not knowing that. <laughs> oh, no, it's just going to... Oh, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. No, give it no, a go. you don't have to say it very yeah. often. All right, no. that's off FIP. Yeah, yeah that'll F-I-P. be safe yeah. ground for okay. the D word, right? We, yeah. we hope so. Let's see. Let's see. My whole... The rest of my career is going to be based on diseases that can never be seen in that. <laughs> weird things yeah. that with right. four legs that we sometimes yes. see in the street that's right. yeah that's right. okay which yeah. i love dearly as well but not as much as of yeah. course right. okay yeah sure. okay yeah so fip is kind of um becoming exciting again a little bit huh? it is yeah. it is it's yeah. a hot topic it is yeah. indeed so tell yeah. me what excites you these days and before we go there oh. we did a one second cat buy oh we are six, 60 second one would be very uh, short one second. 60 seconds cat buy there's a challenge on. one second <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly all you can do is <laughs> say the word <laughs> And that was going viral. Yeah, it was yeah. Crazy. We did a little sixty-second one on the uh, one of the papers that came out about it. One of the new antivirals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so ah, it just it just yeah. went viral. So. Yeah, Because yeah. so. you can tell people are hungry, right? Oh gosh. And we thought, and you know, we were yeah. po- of uh, YouTube stars suddenly yeah. <laughs> for like a day, yeah. for a day or two, and that, that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that. certainly that. some of yeah. the exciting stuff. Yeah. So I think the two major areas of excitement for for FIP are um, the advent of PCR and what PCR means. Um, So I think there's lots and lots of studies that have been coming out on just doing coronavirus PCR and doing the mutation analysis, how that really helps, um, depending on what tissue or sample or what have you you choose. And then the other arm is the treatment, which I guess the treatment is obviously going to be hugely important because I think it's the first time we are seeing work that really suggests in the field as well because I think the experimental studies are obviously um, really important but somewhat artificial Mm. in terms of how they develop FIP etc so I think there's a lot of potential uh, for that and it is really exciting I think it's just a shame and it's nobody's fault um, that that the publications have come out and actually to get hold of the drug in a in a I don't know whether it's legal or, or proper, or proper or, way yeah yeah and in a way that you will be totally confident with in, the in source what, what you've yeah, got. Um, is not there yet and yeah. it's such a horrendous disease that you can totally understand why um, people are looking at alternative ways of of getting yeah. that drug yeah um, because the results are um, are pretty staggering so before yeah. we go there can yeah. we go back to the basics again yeah. like I said there's lots yeah. of people listening to this yeah. podcast yeah. Uh, describe FIP for me Ooh, a little in bit. In how many minutes? Yeah. <laughs> how many days so, do you yes. have? So I think, so wow. FIP is called caused by coronavirus mm-hmm. and coronavirus are ubiquitous. They're there everywhere whenever you've got cats together, basically. Mm. So we know that, F, that coronavirus infection is 
really common. We know, fortunately, that FIP is sporadic and uncommon. And the things that contribute to the development of FIP are are multifactorial. And that's why you almost need, I mean, the stars aligning is probably the wrong Wrong way to put it. Ducks, I don't know what what the saying would be, but there's quite a few things that need to work in order for FIP to develop. So it needs to be the type of virus that might mutate in whatever way it needs to mutate to cause FIP. We need a host that has this immune system that, yeah, genetic susceptibility, maybe the dose of virus, that there's all sorts of things that can feed into the ultimate development of this horrific Mm -hmm. disease, FIP. It it kind of bucks everything that you know about infectious disease in a way, doesn't it? It kind of turns it all on the head. Yeah. You know, I like to say that coronavirus is infectious, but FIP not so much. No, it's really hard. And yeah. also, the, I think one of the problems with FIP is it's not all or nothing. Oh, so yeah. even that situation, you know, yeah. we talk about, yes, uh, FIP isn't transmissible. But we have got occasionally little hotspots yeah. of FIP right. where in shelters, for example, yeah. where we do think, well, is there horizontal transmission? So even that, the vast majority of the time it arises within yeah. an individual no account. There's no black and white. And that's why it's so difficult to, for vet, I think, I mean, I don't understand it all. No, Vets are going to, it's it, you know, and then you've got to try and then convey that to owners mm. that have got a beautiful young kitten that is going down with this horrific disease. So yeah. I think it's problematic on all sorts of levels. Um, I'd, you know, a 60 second soundbite on FIP I know, is very I mean, difficult. But it, but, it, it brings yeah. something up. So if you, how would you explain this to an owner in a simple way? Yeah, well, I, I, when I speak to breeders and owners, it's really talking about the fact that that this is a virus that we get when we've got cats together. Mm-hmm. So actually they're not at fault for having coronavirus you know, that's a good in their point, households. Because there's a lot of blame game yeah, goes on. Yeah, and it's absolutely. not their fault. And it's not, it's if you're gonna have cats together, you're, you're gonna, gonna have, have coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Now there are some ways of having coronavirus free households, they're difficult yeah. and they're rarely achieved. Achieved. So I I say to an owner, I, I don't think you should even think about yeah. trying to achieve that. And that yeah. hopefully will make them feel better to start with. But say it's very common. And for whatever reason, in this individual cat, FIP has developed. And if it's the first case, um, I'd, you know, you, you can look at certain aspects, you know, hygiene in the household, etc. Speaker orally transmitted, all those sorts of things. Um, but probably there's not a huge amount to do after that first case other than some of those environmental things that you'd want to be doing anyhow in the absence of yeah exactly Um, and if there's more than one case that will be the time that you start thinking about is there a genetic susceptibility that's been passed on in the stud that they're using or the male or what have you and then you might stop your breeding change your breeding etc that Mm. that would be so i don't know if that's an easy way of explaining it the other thing there's some good resources out there for Mm -hmm. cat owners you know on the web if you point them to the right resources because it's not something you can explain to them in the consult room and they're going to go out knowing it all it's better to give them something to sort of try and Digest it afterwards, yeah. yeah just to try and so we definitely it. need to put those resources yeah, on we'll, our website. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll um, so we always have a, a section of like show notes uh, on our okay. website for each yeah. podcast. We can yeah. put you know links um, yeah. in there to yeah. to things that you Fab. think would be good. To okay, point yeah, we can to. do that. Yeah. Podcast.net. Yeah. 
at purpodcast.net. So that's we'll it. list all of our episodes there. And then we'll, mm-hmm. that's where we'll put all of our supplementary okay. material. Okay. So we'll put a bunch of links in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to some good sites. But I think there's a lot of blame that goes on in oh. the cat, you know, and I, th- I think. Still to this day. Yeah. And I think one of the things, you know, about the coronavirus free households, the few worldwide that probably exist is, you know, what, what they, if somebody does, is able to get rid of coronavirus, all it means is that they're, they're, they're letting go of a cat that's coronavirus free yeah. at that time point. But if it goes into a multi cat household, oh. it's going to encounter coronavirus in, in five minutes. minutes. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, I think, yeah. I think we need to be more open about it as I, well. I think we need and, to be more yeah. forgiving and just oh, understand absolutely. that this virus is bigger than us oh, and it knows yeah. better than us yes. how to yeah. do its job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I hate to see, um, uh, breeders especially who have worked really hard to get a coronavirus-free household and it can be undone yeah. in minutes. minutes. Yeah. And yeah. then it's all gone. Yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. So what do you do with a corona-free, virus-free cat? You just keep it inside well, the box? Well, this is the thing. Yeah. Hope that it will never get it? Well, yeah. That's. I mean, if it was going to be going into a single cat indoor-only household, it probably would remain yeah. coronavirus-free. But if it's going to be in a in an environment where it comes into contact with the cats, shares litter trays, goes out, you know, yeah. it's fecal-orally transmitted. So there's a big likelihood that that cat can develop yeah. FI, yeah. F, uh, feline coronavirus infection. Mm-hmm. And then there's a chance that the cat could have FIP. The, the other thing is the coronaviruses um, will infect and reinfect a cat. So they haven't, a cat you does not- develop immune, long-lasting no, immunity. long-lasting immunity, mm-hmm. which is another, when we think about See, possible another, vaccination, yeah. Yeah, it's another, but it's another issue it's another with coronaviruses. Oddity. So a very common question people have is, what, you know, with a cat that goes down with FIP, where did they get the coronavirus mm. from? You know, and you don't, you, you, you usually, you know, they could have had coronaviruses for a, for a long, long time, time in there. They it could have been reinfected quite recently. It's very difficult to know that. Mm. And I think often they want to know where it's come from. Yeah, because yeah, they want to point a finger. Um, and or it's not, just, it's human yeah, nature, right? You yeah. want to know where did it come yeah, from. And yeah, and it's just unfortunately not that no, simple. No, and it's not, yeah. not that doesn't matter actually much no, at that point. Mm. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The main thing is trying to care for the cat, trying to get a diagnosis, yeah. yes. a definitive diagnosis, which hopefully uh, you have if, you, if you're talking about FIP for sure, um, but also then trying to decide what to do for that cat. In so, that you know, situation. it's really heartbreaking because your typical FIP patient is a young cat, yeah. right? It's yeah. just, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, somebody's just newly acquired this exactly. beloved kitty yeah. and they're yeah. all excited, yeah. right? And then yeah. within a month or two months or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, no, it's a re- I think it's one of the, Oh, it's a very distressing disease yeah. to, because of the type of cat that it. I mean, all cats are special, yeah, yeah <laughs> any yeah. age. Um, but it's just, it's just like you say, it's people very poignant so, about yeah, that. New, it's often, yeah, new new kitten, etc. It is really hard. There's a lot yeah. going on for them to sort of cope with in addition at one time near fatal disease. Thank you so much for this excellent episode. We had a lot of fun yes, talking to you. I'm so awesome. happy you were able to be it here. It was awesome. It was yeah. really yeah. nice. And time yeah. flies so fast when we're talking. And, yeah, uh, especially infectious diseases and cats. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. we could talk mm-hmm. like maybe we could do a 24 hour one. We'll do a marathon. Yeah. I know that, that oh, sounds I like a great that. idea. I could do oh, we that. could, oh, we so could do raise that. money and yes. do yeah. Oh, I love the idea. That's it. We will raise money for win. We'll yeah. We'll raise money for research. We'll do a 24 hour podcast marathon. Yeah. And and we'll we'll just talk to you for a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the good news is we'll be back in yeah, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have more. So thank you so much for yeah, spending time you. with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirkenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Per Podcast. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yerla Kirpenstein is a diplomat of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. 